Hello, and thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson, and as always, Adam is here. Welcome, Adam. Hello. And Christina is back this week. Yes. Hi. Glad to have you back, Christina. Uh, we're here, obviously, to talk about Apple's recent fall iPhone event. Uh, we've got new iPhones, new Apple Watches, new pricing, launch dates, uh, and, and of course, some quality memes. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, guys, what were your favorite uh, announcements of the event this year? I'm going to say the uh, Apple Watch having an always on screen because uh, this is a, a hardware announcement that uh, everybody basically said wasn't possible yet and it didn't leak. Uh, and it's the first, like, a kind of a big feature to not leak uh, yeah. in an Apple piece of Apple hardware. Uh, it's so like an actual surprise. It's an actual surprise, yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody was expecting the watch updates to be really minor, but it, this is, I think, one of the last remaining, maybe the last remaining feature for the watch um, that has been sort of an obvious thing for them to do, and now they've done it. So uh, next year's updates will be interesting. I'm excited about that. Christina, how about yourself? What do you like on the stage? My favorite announcement was uh, the pricing that they announced for Apple TV+. Plus. I think given what's going on in streaming. Um, it's It was interesting to look at Apple TV Plus pricing as indicative of where they think they fall in the space and what it mm-hmm. means strategically for them. I thought, I thought it was really interesting to look into and speculate about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that just will bring us straight into uh, the first section I want to talk about, which are the services that were announced. So uh, Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus. So notably, uh, Christina, as you mentioned, Apple TV Plus this year will be priced at $4.99. Uh, it is undercutting Disney by $2, which is at $7.99. And then uh, Hulu is priced at $5.99 with ads. We think this is pretty competitive pricing uh, to the market today. Yeah, I mean, I think the the real pricing of Apple TV Plus right now is free um, because of of that free first year trial um, of a full year to anybody who buys an iPhone, iPad, Mac, or Apple TV uh, in in the near future. So I think it is four ninety nine, and that's you know, but I think very few people who watch any of those shows will actually pay four ninety nine. Maybe if they have a breakout show, um, we'll see some people who have Android phones or who opted to not upgrade any any of their Apple hardware this year. Uh, decide to to pay to watch them. Uh, but I think the vast, vast majority of people will not be paying for Apple TV Plus anytime soon. What I thought was interesting about $4.99 was that it's Apple's recognition that they probably don't have the content to justify much higher of a price than $4.99. And I think that's a very... I don't know how much that went into the public-facing decision, but I think um, that was something that was pretty illuminating for me. And then the other thing I think that was interesting to look at with that $4.99 pricing is that how they're looking to compete, I think, is different. I think instead of saying they're undercutting uh, Hulu and Disney, I think the main point here is that Apple can afford to fund content because their profit driver is the iPhone. Right. I don't think they... They probably could make content work at free pricing, which they are in theory Mm -hmm. doing for a large portion of the people who will be consuming TV plus content. But I think the main point here is that at this point they're giving themselves runway where they don't need to start turning a profit on content in the same way a Netflix does, for example. Um, They can afford to take their time, develop the content, figure out 
is this an original content play? Is this a channel's play? Because they have the profit coming from iPhone still. Right. So do you think that this then would just be more like a, a consumer acquisition kind of channel? Like here, here's like one more thing that the iPhone will offer that can kind of get people into the larger ecosystem. It might be, depending on how good the shows are, it could be a customer acquisition channel. Although I don't know that if you're an Android user, four ninety nine is that high of a blocker um, for you to keep your Android and watch the content at the same time. I don't expect it to be the thing that drives Android users over to iPhone. Mm-hmm. I more think that this content is a retention play. I think okay. as the iPhone matures, um, they're looking for new ways to keep people within the ecosystem, whether that's new hardware devices like watch um, or with content and services. I think it is a bit of a customer acquisition play for the Apple TV app, which is how this content is going to be distributed. Although also apparently on the web that came out after the uh, after the keynote yesterday, but um, primarily through the Apple TV app. If you want to watch it on your mobile device or you want to watch it on a television, that is how you will watch this content. Um, and that app is now available in a lot of um, third-party TVs, including Samsung, LG, Vizio, uh, probably some I'm forgetting, uh, as well as um, via Amazon's Fire TV, Stick, and Box, and through their ecosystem. Um, so Apple wants to get consumers using the Apple TV app for um, uh, for their, their OTT, their streaming content, um, because they are also going to be reselling um, channels through the Apple TV app. And channels is a way of Apple distributing things like HBO and Showtime and Stars and uh, IFC and a, a bunch of other... Um, channels. And it's the same strategy Amazon has been following for years where um, they Amazon does the same thing. They resell other people's channels. Um, that's been a huge uh, profit center for Amazon because uh, it, once you have people inside your ecosystem, getting them to hit a couple of buttons to sign up for HBO, for example, um, is pretty easy. Um, and so by putting that original content in that TV app, Apple is encouraging users who are already, I think, iPhone users for the most part, to use the TV app as the sort of home screen for their uh, video viewing experience. Something that they've been trying to do for the past year and a half, whatever it might be. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I mean, this is, you know, uh, we, we joke about it a lot. This is Apple's uh, 20-something uh, try at uh, TV, uh, at becoming a TV service provider in some way, shape, or form. So um, this one, though, we know has a little bit of legs because Amazon has been doing it for a while. Right. So just put some subscriber stats behind this. Uh, Netflix today has 150 million global subscribers, 60 million of which are here in the US. Uh, Amazon Prime Video has 75 million global subscribers, 40 million uh, are here in the US. Uh, And as projected by the end of 2020, Apple will have sold uh, around 100 million devices that include the free uh, subscription to Apple TV Plus. So it kind of gives them a pretty competitive base to the, you know, larger, uh, subscription players or or, excuse me, subscription uh, streaming services um, in the market today. Um, So that's, that kind of wraps up the Apple TV uh, announcements. Uh, They also talked about Apple Arcade, which I think I'm personally super excited for. Those games looked fantastic. And again, it really plays on to like the more casual chill and to me kind of wellness uh, games that might be out there. That might be a stretch, uh, but it's it'll be launching on September nineteenth, uh, and it is also priced at four ninety nine uh, for the whole family. So again, I think that's pretty reasonable pricing, and probably what I'll be the first thing to get on my list. Yeah, I mean, I think it's notable that the two services that Apple 
completely controls the content for, which is arcade and uh, TV plus, uh, that those are priced at $5 a month and uh, news and music where they are paying licensing fees and where the, uh, um, where the expenses track the same and those licensing fees track the same as the revenue. um, Those are priced at $10 a month. And I think that that is sort of notable in looking at their pricing. Uh, Once it became clear that arcade was priced at $5, it seems pretty obvious that TV plus would also be at the same cost. And I expect those costs, even as the content in TV plus ramps up, I expect we have at least two years of it at $5 a month before they start to climb higher. Right. Well, as all subscription services do, once you're hooked in, you just kind of keep paying as it as it goes up. Uh, but I thought it was notable just to kind of think about from a advertising perspective, um, you know, mobile games do take up a lot of uh, consumer attention. Uh, notably, for example, uh, King Games, uh, the, the company behind Candy Crush, they have about 9 million players that every day spend six, excuse me, three to six hours playing Candy Crush. Um, so again, this is something to think about from like this idea of like these uh, walled gardens that are coming up. There could be a lot of consumer attention shifting into the Apple Arcade uh, environment where we cannot reach them from an advertising perspective uh, that we used to be playing kind of outside in this ecosystem where we could advertise to them, uh, you know, through different mobile games. So again, thinking about how can we reach these consumers once these, uh, these paywalls go up uh, was something that our brand should be um, thinking about. Next, Adam, knowing that we've been talking about services uh, and what services come bundles, do we think we're finally going to see a bundle from Apple? Yeah, so the one thing that I think I was watching for and that we didn't really see was was some kind of super bundle of Apple media services. It's not that hard to imagine Arcade and TV Plus and Music and News Plus, uh, which together would cost uh, $30, being bundled together maybe with something like uh, iCloud Storage or Apple Care uh, and bundling that along with a hardware purchase. We didn't see that today. I think the closest we came was this free extra TV trial for uh, for a year. Um, but I do think that uh, this is the first step towards that bundle. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's an easy, obvious thing for them to do. And I, I think that maybe the reason they're not doing it now is that TV Plus, even though it is launching, is not entirely ready as a standalone service because of the uh, the content that they need to build up. Um, I do expect that this will, you know, it, it seems like they're laying all of, all of the groundwork for that. And then next year might be the year that we actually see more of a services bundle and maybe something that is actually bundled directly with the iPhone so that it is just a, another monthly fee like Apple Care on top of your regular iPhone payment. I know one of the things that, um, you know, people in the industry were talking about is that, is that like the pricing, right? This year, like they actually kept the X are around they kept the iphone 8 around uh, and it seems like they're kind of no longer just positioning for the high end but they're looking to extend across the entire ecosystem or the entire market that you know for a a a consumer that needs a phone um and it was interesting to note that when it comes to content you know you want as many people to view content as possible and in order to get as many people to view your content as possible to make that profitable and the best way to do that is to have devices that are on both sides of the spectrum you know the the very high end a mid-tier but also uh, a more affordable phone to have so you know this could be an early signal and indicating that Apple is actually looking to, you know, really, you know, bundle bundle like content, but also grow their user base to make it more profitable. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw evidence that Apple 
uh, a certain a, a large number of consumers were not going to go for the thousand dollar iPhone, um, and that uh, Apple is really repositioning the mid tier phone, which is now seven hundred dollars, um, as the the primary iPhone eleven. Uh, and I think you know if you want to get inside the Apple ecosystem, though, obviously most people need a phone, and that's probably the best way to do it. But actually, the cheapest way into into that ecosystem is that the new iPad they announced yesterday, which is um, a really good device with a ten inch screen for three hundred and twenty nine dollars. And uh, if you were just looking for something to you know watch TV shows on or play games on, um, that's a great device that I think uh, probably a lot of people buy for their kids. Cool. Well, I mean, I think with that we can just move straight into the hardware side of the. Uh, event which covers the iphone the apple watch uh and as you mentioned adam the uh, ipad announcement so how about we start with the watch adam you you, you already mentioned this but like the feature highlight was the always on display uh anything else stand out to you from the apple watch this year yeah it uh that was the main feature um watch os 6 obviously has a number of new features and benefits but i think this is really just an, an, an iterative year for the watch that screen not always being on i think was keeping some people away from the watch and so this is the year for those people to come into the fold and, and buy the watch. The other interesting announcement is that rather than keep last year's model around, they discontinued that and dropped the price on the Series 3 down to $200, which obviously is a very aggressive price um, for the watch. So they're really focused this year on just broadening the market to people who maybe wouldn't have considered this device previously. The one thing that I'm a little surprised that they didn't do, um, given that one of the features of the the OS for the watch this year is an app store on your wrist, um, is that you do still need an iPhone to set up and use an Apple Watch. That, I think, is actually the last remaining feature is true independence where you uh, wouldn't need an iPhone, where you could use an Android phone or not have a cell phone at all um, and just use your watch with AirPods, perhaps, or something like that. Um, That, I think... Clearly, they're not ready, um, or I think that would have happened this year because uh, you know a two hundred dollar watch that uh, doesn't require a phone would then be the cheapest way into the Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a twenty twenty thing that we're going to see. Are we seeing the same behavior? You know, with the iPhone, there's a certain segment of users that always need the latest and will update their phone every year that they release an iPhone. Are we seeing the same behavior with watch? I think from what I'm seeing on Twitter, there definitely are people who do that. I saw people explaining and justifying why they were spending $1,300 on a ceramic watch and why they planned on, <laughs> why they planned on doing that not just this year, but every year going forward. So, you know, I think certainly there's always those consumers in the market who, uh, if they use something and they see a lot of value in it, it's it's true that if you... If look your 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 phone, your watch, it's thing. If it's something you're using every day, it's easy to justify pretty much whatever price you put you put on it, right? These are things that we probably interact with more than any other thing that we own, and more than we interact with our car, probably more than we even interact with our homes, given that we're outside and at work a lot of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's easy to justify that cost if you can afford it and if you want to justify that cost. So yes, I think those consumers definitely exist in the watch. Yeah, well, maybe I'll be uh, one of the consumers that buy the Series Three for two ninety or one ninety nine because I haven't quite gotten to the world of of the watch yet. But for that price, maybe I maybe I will. What about yourself, Christine? Do you have any uh, interest in the watch? No. Right on. I still my health is. I don't feel the need to track my health, and also I just don't like. I like this watch. Right. Not it's a fashion thing. question for you. Yeah, yeah. it's totally and a fashion question. So for me. the same as there are reasons that people are spending $1,300 for a high-end Apple Watch for some measure of fashion. Obviously, some people don't like that style at all. And I think mm-hmm. that anything like this is always going to have those. 
And I know they launched also the Hermes yep. band. I don't know that for fashion people that customizing bands and adding Hermes is enough right. to, to solve that pain point of buying or a hurdle of buying. I have a question though. What is there something that you can think of and maybe you can't, but is there something you can think of that would functionality that would push you over the edge from to like overlook the fact that this is not your style uh, into getting a, a wearable device like an Apple watch? Honestly, I think it's purely aesthetic. And I think if the face as a start, if the face were circular instead of square, even with analog watches, I don't like the look of a rectangular or square face. And so I think if it looked more like my style of regular watch, or even, I don't even know if this is technologically possible, but instead of a dark face came with a light face, I think that could, that would help me get mm -hmm. over it. Yeah. Interesting. The, um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of value to that. Cause like to your point, you know, it is fashion. You know, I think Johnny Ive was really pushing that. Like that was his whole purpose was kind of having these collaborations with these um, well-known fashion brands. It was because he wanted it to be like a big fashion piece. Although it does seem like, you know, six years in that the fashion side of it, clearly people enjoy getting different bands and stuff and choosing mm -hmm. different colors and stuff when they buy them. But I, I feel like the fashion angle has worn off a little bit and that most users are finding utility in it and that's why they're wearing it and it's mm -hmm. less of a, a fashion statement um, and they they do what they can to make it you know as fashionable as they can with bands and things but uh, i think for the most part it's more of a utility winning out over um over aesthetics but to your point i can't think of a killer app that would make me migrate over maybe at the point where i don't need my phone anymore and mm -hmm. i can access everything I can on my phone just with my AirPods and although AirPods is a separate, I think, cultural phenomenon <laughs> that we don't need to get into, but I mean, AirPods is also a little bit of a, a, a utility over aesthetics. I think, uh, trumping aesthetics yep. in terms of how many of them you see. Out in the world. <laughs> and I actually think aesthetic is the blocker for me for AirPods as well. Well, AirPods one day might just be small enough that they disappear inside your ear. So that one's easily solved eventually with the yeah. march of technology. The watch, who knows? Maybe yeah. glasses. It would be so funny if glasses were the thing that got you. Like, yeah. Well, I can wear glasses, but not that watch. <laughs> um, I guess in the, like the last thing I'll note about Apple Watch is obviously during the keynote, they really stressed uh, how it is saving lives, uh, which is a pretty incredible product statement. Um, as well as, um, in a sense, I think, I think they're really gamifying healthcare, right? With all like the steps and completing your circles. Uh, so that, that, that's just one more area where we're seeing, you know, gamification really take hold and, uh, and kind of create a, uh, a feedback loop for consumers. Lastly, the Apple Watch in resale stores and online now have a mix and match builder. So you can build your own custom watch face with different bands and kind of mix and match them. Uh, it seems like that was something that a lot of consumers of the watch wanted to have happen. Uh, so you can now do that a, a bit more customizable. Uh, so we'll see how that all shakes out in the future. But now the main event, the iPhone 11. Christina, Adam, what were your thoughts on this new flagship phone that was announced uh, on Tuesday? I know it's obviously the most, well, not obviously, it's it's an important product because it is the one thing that the most people will buy coming out of this event. But, and it, it's cool, but it was also, I think, the most boring of the announcements. 
new cameras, lots of camera features. I think the most interesting thing on the camera side is that iPhone 11 Pro lets you shoot four streams of 4K video using all of the lenses on the front and back of the camera simultaneously. That's pretty cool. Um, but other than that, it's uh, faster. It has more cameras. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and night mode. You can now take photos in the dark. And night mode. So it's like unclear. Like Maybe we'll have to see once they've been tested. Maybe they've caught up to Google with the sort of night vision. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Christina, what about yourself? What are your thoughts? I think that what we're seeing with the iPhone and what they're doing with the pricing shows that the market is overly mature. Mm-hmm. It won't leapfrog. I don't think anyone is going to be impressed until some new computing platform is either powered by or adjacent to the updates. So basically the updates in the phone right now are so far past consumer expectation of how their phone should perform that I don't know that adding another camera or adding night vision will be enough to wow not just consumers but people writing about the iPhone. I think when things like 5G and AR are pushed more into the mainstream, that's when the type of computing power that these phones have will be even more evident and even more usable and interesting. I think the pricing strategy is interesting too. Relative to last year's, the pricing dropped Mm -hmm. on a relative basis. Um, And I think what this is showing us is that consumers are, the way that I took it was consumers are waiting longer and longer to upgrade their iPhone. They don't need the thousand dollar iPhone, which is related to what I was just saying. There's some need obviously to upgrade. And I think the pricing is reflective of that consumer behavior Mm -hmm. of wanting something newer, but maybe not the newest or the most powerful because that spread from middle tier to upper tier isn't the features don't justify the price increase right so that, i know uh when tim cook got on stage he said that the iphone xr was their best-selling phone last year and that was that mid-tier that was like the one below like the pro model which was like the x or the 10s and the 10s max uh so similarly this year it seems like the iphone 11 uh, is the one that is going to be positioned to most consumers that is uh, can already surpass any other phone out there on the market. Uh, and, but then if you want to go even, you know, spec up one more, there's like the pro feature for that. But again, it seems like that 11 model, it will be, will be replacing the XR model uh, as that phone for your everyday consumer. Personally, I was super excited about some cultural aspects of this new iPhone. I've already mentioned, I think, three times on the podcast, but the stovetop memes uh, of, of the three-back camera on the, on, the, uh, on the Pro phone, I think, is hysterical, and I can't wait to see where that goes uh, down some Reddit holes, personally. But also, can we talk about some slow fees? There's now a front-facing camera with 12 megapixel 4K uh, video, and we can take slow-mo selfies. Guys, I mean, this is going to be a cultural phenomenon. Influencers everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They did have a very cute commercial, which was pretty funny, for slow fees. Uh, It seems like they're pushing really hard to try to make that a thing, and I don't think it's going to be a thing, but it was a funny commercial. Well, I'm I'm excited about it uh, personally because you know me and I I just I pretty much only take selfies is what it comes down to. But also, I thought was really interesting was that their quick capture feature on the camera when it comes to taking video, it now reflects Snapchat and Instagram where you can do like a long press and hold and then it starts recording video. So I thought that was a pretty like unique feature to adapt to how I would say consumers are capturing video, uh, which is press and hold on these social platforms. Yeah. I want to take a moment uh, and talk about what Apple uh, didn't announce or didn't discuss in, in enough detail uh, at the event. So let's start with ultra wideband chip. 
Adam, this this question is for you because I know you've been doing some some digging into this. Uh, but it seems like this is a brand new feature that has a lot of capabilities in the iPhone 11, but they didn't really mention it outside of it, it'll make AirDrop better for consumers. Yeah, they didn't mention uh, mention it on stage at all. And then on the product page, it's entirely uh, for an AirDrop feature. Um, but there is a new Apple-created chip called the U1 inside the new iPhones um, that is an ultra-wideband chip. An ultra-wideband is a new kind of wireless technology. Um, think about it kind of like uh, Bluetooth. It's um, very fast and designed for short-range communication. Um, and it, what we had heard previously the, through the rumor mill was that Apple was going to release these tile competitors, these little trackers you could stick on your keys or your dog um, and use, uh, they would use Bluetooth and ultra wideband to be able to locate those things. Uh, and that's cool. Um, it's more accurate than just Bluetooth alone. So we could get down to like, you know, four centimeters or so. Uh, but um, I think with what we saw um, just last night with some leaks coming out of the um, Xcode, the developer tools uh, that they released for the new um, OSs is uh, that uh, there are also leaks around something called Starboard, which uh, appears to be the code name for Apple's wearable AR glasses. We've known they've been working on these for a long time. We've known they are coming at some point in the future, um, but it looks like parts of Starboard are pretty deeply tied to iOS 13. Um, and ultra-wideband is exactly the kind of technology that could be used to wirelessly connect a pair of glasses to your iPhone um, to be able to have the iPhone do all the heavy lifting with processing of images and rendering of 3D graphics, and then basically using the glasses like an external monitor, um, but of course wirelessly. So uh, this to me indicates that we're getting pretty close to these glasses actually coming to market, um, and that these iPhones, the real reason that ultra-wideband is in these iPhones is not for these tile trackers, it's to make sure that there are phones in the market that support uh, the glasses when they do come out. Um, Apple loves to do stuff like this. They love to put hardware um, into devices years before it's actually activated with special features. They did this with uh, previous versions of Bluetooth in the past. Um, and it just seems like they're laying the groundwork so that maybe next fall, in fall of 2020, if they announce glasses uh, and then ship them in spring of 2021, there will already be like a year and a half worth of iPhones out in market that they can sell glasses to customers who already have those phones. So they're not going to necessarily be saying, buy a new phone and then also the glasses to go along with it. It's sort of staggering those purchases and creating a big addressable market for themselves right out of the gate. Wow. <laughs> There's that because a lot a lot to take in there. So you're saying so pretty much uh Christina, twenty twenty, get ready for some glasses. That is what <laughs> will make me get an Apple Watch. When I unbundle my phone mm -hmm. into a watch, glasses, cute AirPods combo. Yeah, I don't mean the watch doesn't have ultra wideband, so I think it that is the dream of the post phone future where you can have glasses when you need a better display or AR features. Your watch when you don't, when you just need notifications or text messaging and AirPods for talking to Siri or sending texts or whatever. That's the dream. Uh, but I think that's a little further away. Maybe 2025. 2025, Apple Watch. Apple okay. Watch. <laughs> maybe then the watch will have ultra wideband and be fast enough to render all your AR scenes. Yeah. I mean, they their Silicon team, they can do it. They're killing and it. They can, they can absolutely do it. Um, so... 
with that, I just want to wrap one final question to the two of you in general, like what was your overarching like feel about this uh, developer event? Uh, to me personally, it felt like it was great, a, a lot happening, but it seemed like it was laying the foundation for 2020 when we're going to see a lot more potential announcements with the 5G, maybe something with the ultra wideband and glasses. Um, so I thought it was great, but I think there's a lot more to come in the next 12 months. I agree. I thought this event showed that Apple is very strategically sound. And I think they are laying the, the foundational pieces in place for a post-mobile future. I think that was signaled by the price. I think that was signaled in um, services updates and other mobile-adjacent hardware updates. And uh, I, I think they've given themselves runway to understand consumer behavior, understand shifts in the marketplace and be well poised to take advantage of those shifts with what they have in place currently. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, what about yourself? Yeah, I definitely think we're still in a, a transition period. Um, we're seeing innovation on the business side of things and business models around the services. And I think they will continue to um, push forward into new models of, of you know bundling together services in, in interesting ways in the near future. And I think the innovation on the technology side is firmly in the wearables division. Um, I think it's uh, the Apple Watch and uh, AirPods to an extent, and hopefully next year, some glasses. Well, listeners, uh, there you have it. That is the recap of Apple's fall 2019 iPhone event. Um, a question for all of you out there, you know, are you going to upgrade to the new iPhone 11? iPhone 11 Pro, or we can make some sweet memes. You can tweet at myself, uh, at Tipier on Twitter, or at Adam at I Adam J. Simon uh, on Twitter. So let us know your thoughts. Uh, Christina, do you want me to mention you on Twitter or no? No, okay, that's why. Christina's private on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tweet at Christina. <laughs> Don't, yeah, get off her lawn and, and pay her. Um, talk to Adam if you need to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, with that, if you're looking for more great content, please check out our Medium blog. From there, you can uh, get access to all the great articles that we publish weekly. You can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, and if you like what you hear, share, tell a friend, whatever you can do. We greatly appreciate it. So thank you and talk soon.